Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Sometimes we do a study before the study dealing with issues of our day. And so I'm going to do a study before the study this morning. I'm going to read a lot of scriptures, um, but let's just get into that and then we'll get into Acts. If you're looking at real estate listings, you might notice a surprising change in the terminology used to describe a key room in many houses and apartments in the near future. The master suite is being renamed by many real estate agents. According to June 24th report in the Houston Chronicle, the Houston Association of Realtors, H-A-R, has decided to do away with the term master as it applies to real estate, noting that it could be perceived as having ties to slavery. In its place, the group will be using the word primary as in primary bedroom and primary bath. Guys, we're living in really weird days where everything is being redefined. And slavery took place in America. It was horrendous. It was awful. There was nothing complimentary to it about it. But we cannot live in the past. And we have to make sure that we take everything back to the word of God. So what I'd like to do is we're going to cover a bunch of scriptures, but I'd like to explain something here. Hello. Hey, Siri. See who turned their Siri off. (laughs) I was hoping somebody would do that. We see the word Lord in all caps in the Old Testament thousands of times. Thousands of times. And it's referring to God, our Heavenly Father. In the New Testament... We see the word Lord, uppercase L, lowercase O-R-D, and it is predominantly referring to Jesus, and there are hundreds of references to Jesus as being our Lord, and it is defined as of the possessor and disposer of a thing, the owner. Let that sink in. Another name for Lord in the New Testament is Master. And we may not initially like that title, but when we come to understand the love and concern for us from our Lord or Master, we come to truly appreciate the fact that he owns us and nobody is going to take us out of his possession. Remember a couple weeks ago I mentioned how many races do we have? There's only one race, the human race. But the enemy wants to divide us. Black against white, Hispanic against black, Hispanic against white, white against Hispanic, male against female, Democrat against Republican, this against that. There's only one race. There's only one kingdom of God. There are many kingdoms on this earth, but there is only one kingdom of God. And if you're a Bible-believing Christian, then you are a part of that kingdom. So I'm going to just read a bunch of scriptures, because literally there's hundreds, and so I just picked out a few. See if you see something in these verses. But Jesus called his disciples to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. This is Mark 10, 42 through 45. Yet it shall not be so among you. 
For whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. So Jesus says to his disciples, you are going to become a servant. For us today, as disciples of Jesus, we are his servants. And whoever you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. John 13, 12 through 17. And so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down, he said to his disciples, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, now remember, Lord, another word for Lord is master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Notice that. Blessed are you, not if you hear them. Blessed are you if you do them. And it's not, don't get hung up with the washing of feet thing. The washing of the feet was the servant, the lowest job of the servants. And Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the, the one who spoke everything into being, washed 24 stinky feet to give them an example of servanthood, that we are servants. In John 13, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Acts 10, 34, 36, then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to his children in Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, of all those who believe. 1 Corinthians 7, 18 through 24. Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in that state in which he was called. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul writing, beseech you, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, bearing with one another in love. You hear that right there? You see, if we loved the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we loved our neighbor as we loved ourselves, would we be concerned about social justice? Not at all. It'd be automatic. But we have to be the examples. We can't expect the world to be the example. They don't have Christ. They don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. They're going to do the goofy things they're doing. So it shouldn't surprise us a whole lot. 
But we should not partake of that. We need to be the example. Again, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord. There's only one Lord. One Master, Jesus. One faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. 2 Timothy says this, 2, 23 and 24, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Is that happening in our culture today? Absolutely. And is it bringing people together or pushing people apart? It's pushing people apart. The word of God is so applicable. Young people, don't ever believe the lie that the the word of God is not applicable. It's totally applicable, totally reliable. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach patient. In 1 Corinthians 9.19, Paul says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. Did you notice what he said there? I have made. We have free choice. We have free will. I choose to be the servant of everyone that I might win someone to Jesus. It's not about me, it's about him. Colossians 1.7 says, As you have learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. In the same book, Colossians 4.17, or 4.7 it says, Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. In Revelation 1.1, we read this, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angels to his servant, John. You guys get the theme? Now in John 8, 34, Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. You see, we can have a master called God or we can have our flesh, which is ruled by the enemy. When we surrender ourselves to, to that master, it is a, he is a very cruel taskmaster. But you will have a master because Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. And I'm sure you have seen this if you've been in the Lord for any amount of time where you'll find a Christian who has, he has one foot in the word and he has one foot in the world and he's trying to straddle that. What can work? How far can, how close can I get to the fire before I get burned? No, you can only serve one. We can only serve one. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. And guys, this is what's happening in Christianity. Christianity is being despised by many, many people nowadays. Now, this past uh, week to two weeks, there's been, I think, several attacks on churches throughout our country uh, most of them, they're pretty sure, were arson. Uh, yesterday, I just read the article before I came, uh, there was a pastor, I believe, in Virginia who had a former 
a member. He was holding uh, a class, a new membership class, and a former member came in and decided to stab him. Pulled out a weapon, stabbed him, stabbed someone else. Uh, There happened to be a chief of police there. He wrestled him to the ground. Uh, Two other people got wounded in the attack. This is real. This is reality. Uh, There was, and I forget who said it, so I'm sorry about this. I apologize. But there was uh, someone very well known who basically said, steeples need to come down. He didn't say churches, because that'd be too obvious. Like we're so dumb. What else has a steeple? Hospital? Steeples need to come down. So guys, your faith is under attack. And it's not by one group of people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, Ephesians 6 tells us. So we got to lift our eyes to heaven and say, what's the matter with these people? They don't know Jesus. That's what's the matter. What was the matter with you before you knew Jesus? You didn't know Jesus. What did we just sing? The very last song. I was overdoing the the special needs ministry music. But what was the very last, last song? I believe something about Jesus changes everything. It's only Jesus, guys. It is only Jesus that's going to change what? Every single one of you, including myself, have a desperately wicked heart. No matter what race you are, no matter what color you are. Last time I looked in a full box of Crayola crayons, there was a white crayon in there. Doesn't matter what color you are. Our hearts are desperately wicked without Jesus. So we shouldn't be surprised, but rather we should be grieved and say to them, to an unbeliever, how can I help you? Man, you are really upset. How can I help you? Because God is the only answer, guys. He is the only answer. Matthew seven twenty one through 23 says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, Master, Master. If you're here today punching the clock, you think you're a Christian, but you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, you're just doing the church thing because it's the family thing to do or my parents make me come. Listen to what Jesus says. These are the words of Jesus. Shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in, on that judgment day, Lord, Lord, Have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? In Matthew 7, 23, Jesus says this, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Not I lost you, I forgot you, I erased you out of the book. No, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Guys, our Christian faith, as we look at Acts chapter 18, is under attack. Parents, you really need to be praying with your children, younger children, teenagers, 20s, guiding them, strengthening them, reassuring them that the faith is real and the attack is real. But we can't take it personal. We have to take it for what it is, They're attacking Jesus, the name of Jesus, which we'll get to here in our text. So I just wanted to encourage you with those in things. Don't know if you're encouraged or not, but the point is we are servants. We are servants. Slavery was wrong. That's off the table. That was wrong. 
horrendous, bad. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? We're going to show them what a true servant is, what a true slave is, with a loving relationship with the Father that causes me to love anyone else who crosses my path. Without Jesus, that love is not there. That's that simple. Father, we thank you and praise you for the morning as we look into your word in Acts chapter 18. We need more of your Holy Spirit. I pray for the gift of teaching. And Lord, as we do go out, as the church leaves, we go out into our mission field. And it's not a mission field where people are supposed to serve us. It's a mission field where we're supposed to serve them. We're supposed to be that light and that salt that causes them to thirst after what it means to be right with you, after righteousness. So, Father, help us to guard our hearts that we don't get caught up in the politics of the day, the movements of the day, the emotions of the day, but we stay focused on your word. What is going to change our society? It's the word of God. Father, bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one last thought that I wanted to bring up in the first service I'd like to bring up is, you know, Martin Luther King Jr., was known for many, many things. And when you hear that name, I didn't know him, so it's not like, hey, I knew him, I hung out with him, never saw him, never talked to him, so don't go down that road. But we can learn from people in the past. If I mention his name, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? And don't yell it out, just between you, what's the first thing that comes to your name? All right, comes to your mind. You see, Martin Luther King Jr. was a pastor. He was a Bible-believing Christian man of God. And as far as I know, he didn't elevate anything above the word of God. He desired to see men and women saved no matter what color they were. And so you and I, we have that same role. So again, don't let certain people hijack a name but remind them of, what, of who Martin Luther King Jr. was, first and foremost. He was a Bible-believing Christian that loved all men and women and wanted to see them saved. That is the most important thing. And he is rejoicing in heaven over those who have, that he had fruit with. Well, let's look at Acts chapter 18, 24 through 28. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, was an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah or is the Christ. So basically, we're going to pick up Paul's journey in just a few verses. But for now, the Lord... Or Luke, I'm, I'm sorry. Luke has taken a step back here in time, and he's going to show us what was taking place while Paul was in Jerusalem and Antioch. Basically, the theme for today could be God is looking for those who are willing to be available for, a sp- for the spreading of the gospel. So, guys, for you, I, I encourage you to put that in the forefront of your mind as we go through these verses. Don't check out, check in. 
Because if you're a Bible-believing Christian, you have a sphere of influence. You have four, six, or eight people around you that most of us in this room will never meet, never have contact with, never associate with. That's just reality. And so you're going to leave this morning, you're going to get a Bible study, and then you might just check out. Well, I left my Christianity at the door of a building because the church leaves. This is just a building. We're not called to do that. We're ambassadors for Christ. And God is looking for those who are willing to be available for the spreading of the gospel. Even this morning, no matter how old you are, are you available for God to use you in that sphere of influence? Because 8 billion people, we're approaching 8 billion people, a majority of those people do not know Jesus as their Savior, which means they are going to hell. That's not good. So let's learn from Aquila and Priscilla here. They remained in Ephesus to carry on the work of the Lord. And they were in the synagogue going over the scriptures when one day, along comes a Jewish man with incredible knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures. So let's look at 24 through 26. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man. That word eloquent means skilled in speech, very learned or learned, however you'd like to pronounce it. He had come from Alexandria, which is located on the northern coastline of Africa in the country of Egypt. It was the second most important city in the Roman Empire. It was a center for education and philosophy that was named after Alexander the Great. There was a university there that housed a library over, get this guys, over 700,000 volumes. This wasn't a little dining room area. 700,000 volumes. The city was a melting pot of Greeks, Romans, Egyptians, and Jews with a population around 600,000. And seeing that at least a fourth of the population of Alexandria were Jews, at that time, the Jewish community had tremendous influence. So this man, Apollos, comes to the synagogue and starts to talk about the scriptures in a powerful way, but only in the way that was up to the baptism of John. A baptism of repentance through the outward expression of water. You see, he had not come to understand the cross yet. He had not had the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus explained to him. And I would encourage you, how many of your sphere of influence know about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Just think about that yourself. Now, yeah, they know Jesus. Yeah, they use it in profanity. And yeah, he's some guy that hung on a cross. And yeah, yeah, you got to go to church to find out who he really is. Is that their view? Is that all they know? Is that the life of Jesus? That's not the life of Jesus. So even today in America, even though we have so, many, so much uh, audio and visual of Christianity being out in the airwaves, how many people really understand the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Really, not very many. And so again, this is very important for you and I as well. You see, after Jesus was baptized by John, the word Lord transfers direction and will predominantly refer to Jesus. Prior to that, the Old Testament and the early chapters of the Gospels, when we see the word Lord, all caps, it predominantly refers to the Heavenly Father. So Apollos understood the scriptures and the promises of the Old Covenant. He was even expounding upon them. But Aquila and Priscilla had the story of the new covenant. So as I read these verses, a few things that I notice about these verses. First of all, a person can be knowledgeable and convincing about the scriptures. They knock at your door. 
Hi, we're with the Mormons or Jehovah Witnesses. Uh, I have this happen. And all of a sudden, they, tell, they try to teach me what the Bible says. Now, I appreciate they try to teach me, praise God. But they take it out of context, and they twist it. And they don't take it from Genesis to Revelation. So I end up encouraging them to actually go home and study, because what you're doing is not right, it's not scriptural, it's not correct which usually doesn't go over well, but you need to know the word of God. You need to know it. Not like when that happens, well, let me get my pastor on the phone. Oh, well, just come to church with me. What are you saying about your Christian faith? What are you saying about it? Well, it doesn't matter a whole lot to me. I go to church on Sunday. Isn't that what it's all about anyways? No, no, that's not what it's all about. So Apollos understood the scriptures and the promises of the old covenant. He was even expounding upon them, but Aquila and Priscilla had the story of the new covenant. Very, very important. You see, they had the in, he, they, he had the incomplete mixture. And you cannot stop at the baptism of John because John was still living in the Old Testament, if you didn't realize this. Matter of fact, Jesus said that he was the last Old Testament prophet proclaiming the coming of the Lord. Think about that. Even John didn't understand the fullness of Jesus being the Messiah, the Christ. Do you guys remember when John was in prison? He sent a couple of disciples, of John's disciples, and and they asked Jesus, John sent us, and he wants to know, are are you the one? Are you the Messiah, or do we look for another one? What does that tell us? John didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Why? He knew the Old Testament, but he handpicked the verses that spoke of the conquering Christ, not the suffering servant. The Messiah is coming and we're going to rule and reign over Rome. Why am I in prison? I'm going to most likely get my head lopped off. Would you go talk to Jesus? Because there's a problem here. Is he the one? If he is, get me out of here. Even the disciples on the night, after spending three plus years with the Lord, the night before his crucifixion, even the disciples were arguing with each other. Who's going to sit on the right hand and the left hand? Who's going to get that place of power? We're going to rule over Rome, guys, and I'm going to be on the right hand. They didn't get it. So we shouldn't be surprised that people don't get it today. You see, there are various religions out there today that sound very convincing about, what's that word? Their Jesus. It's their Jesus. You see, there is definitely a different Jesus than we find in the word of God. For example, Islam is he's a great prophet. Now again, we don't bash religions, but we have to be mature enough to talk about religions. Go ask a Muslim, is Jesus a great prophet? Yes. Is he God? No. That's their doctrine. So that's not bashing. That's being bold and mature enough to ask questions. Well, he's an angel, probably reincarnated. Jehovah Witnesses. That's what they believe. Uh, The Mormons believe that he's the spirit brother of Lucifer. Yet they'll tell you when they come to your door, oh, we're Christian. We believe just like you do. Well, no, I'm sorry. Jesus is not the spirit brother of Lucifer. Your church teaches that, but that's not in the Bible. Hindus, which make up a seventh of the world's population, they believe that he was a highly evolved spiritual being. And that's their truth. So, oh, that's your truth. Well, no, that's my truth. Don't make your truth my truth, vice versa. 
You see, they proclaim with boldness and supposable truth, but they lack the fulfillment of who Jesus was in their truth. There are those who will try to faithfully teach others about the Heavenly Father, but without the teaching of the fullness of the Son, there is no eternal hope. How do I know that? How about Matthew eleven twenty seven? All things have been delivered to me. This is Jesus speaking. By my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. How many of you knew God before you had Jesus as your Savior? You knew of God. You might have known there was a God in heaven, but you didn't really know God. You had an idea of who God was. My idea was he was waiting around the next corner to slap me upside the head. So I may as well go out and have a good time because I'm going to get slapped upside the head anyways. And the one to whom the Son reveals, reveals to, uh, wills to reveal him. Let's look at John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Grab your Bibles. I know you probably had them open. If you don't have a Bible open, there's Bibles in the chairs in front of you. Just look down. So important to hear the word of God. Don't argue with people about movements. Take them to the word of God. The word of God will clear up any possible confusion. Jesus speaking, for the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. The Pope has declared in recent years that all religions serve the same God. Wrong. Wrong. That is not scriptural. Just read your Bible. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. That doesn't take much interpretation, does it? Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believes in him who sent me, believes in the Father who sent the Son, has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death, spiritual death, to life eternal. The second thing I notice as we look back in Acts chapter 18 is that Aquila and Priscilla took Apollos aside to teach him the fullness of the gospel. They didn't publicly blast him, but rather brought him home and explained to him the glorious gospel that they had learned from Paul. You see, the opportunity to disciple someone else was taking place in the lives of these new converts. Please notice that. Now, I want to ask you a question. Don't raise your hand. Don't answer yes or no. You just think about it in your own heart. Have you, as a Bible-believing Christian, whatever age you are, have you discipled someone? Have you literally sat down with one person, male to male, female to female, and discipled someone? And if you haven't, because maybe you're afraid, well, I don't know what to do, then you need to be discipled. And we have a discipleship program here. It takes about a year, and you're not going to learn all about Calvary Chapel and how to do it Calvary Chapel way. You're going to learn all about the Bible and what the Bible has to say about you and how you can minister to someone else. It's hard to disciple someone when you haven't been discipled. We need to be discipled. The opportunity to disciple someone else is taking place in the lives of these new converts in Aquila and Priscilla. It's amazing. They were just tent makers, just tent makers. And what an encouragement that should be to each and every one of us. Because remember the theme of the study today, that God is looking for those who are willing to be available for the spreading of the gospel. 
You see, Aquila and Priscilla were tent makers that were available, guys. Most of you know my testimony, but if you don't, I'm a high school. I graduated high school, and I didn't like to study. If I got C's, I was ecstatic. I went to Bible college, did better. It's very intimidating to talk to certain people, especially theologians or engineers. When I worked at Motorola, I worked with engineers, and that was very intimidating because they have degrees, they have hours, they have years, they have this knowledge. And God used them to disciple a very well-educated man. But as I just walked the walk of my Christian faith, didn't beat them up with Bibles because that's not what I was paid to do. I was paid to work. And they would come and they'd ask me, hey, Jim, do you want to learn this? I started in 83. And I'd go, I have, no, I have no idea what it is. I'll do it. And they knew I didn't have nothing. No, I didn't have nothing. To, okay. And then they'd ask me something. Hey, Jim, you want to learn this? Yeah. Hey, Jim, you want to learn this? Yeah. Hey, Jim, you want to learn this? Yeah, I'd love to. Just being a servant of God with Motorola reaping the benefits. But I was a servant of God. I went in it with that attitude. God, I'm serving you wherever you want to put me. And then when the layoffs started to happen, I saw those same engineers that I was intimidated by being walked out the doors. Their, their knowledge didn't mean a whole lot. But I was able to share with them, plant seeds and water and fertilize. I didn't pray with someone to receive Jesus, unfortunately. They didn't want to do that. But I was available for them. Said, Guys, we need to be available and not be intimidated. Because when it comes to Jesus, everybody's on the same playing field. And when you start to talk to someone who's really well-educated, but they don't know anything about the gospel, you're going to realize real quick, they're intimidated by you. Because you can actually open your Bible and point to a verse. Like Romans 3.23 or Romans 6.23 or Romans chapter 10. You can walk them down the Romans road and show them that you're a sinner going to hell. You need a savior no matter how much you know. Guys, that's what this is all about. We get an opportunity to disciple people. But are we doing that? Are we taking advantage of that? Or are we allowing intimidation to cause fear into our lives? Don't allow the enemy to cause fear in your heart about discipling someone. Stay in the word. Study, meditate, memorize. Let's look at Matthew 28. It's the Great Commission, which the church today, we could probably say, is the Great Omission. We expect the pastor to do this, the elders to do this, the deacons to do this, the Sunday school teachers to do this. We expect the youth workers to do this, the junior high and the high schoolers, where we're called to do what? We're called a disciple. Matthew chapter 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying to his disciples, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go there, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Guys, do you realize there is an end of the age? There is literally a time where Jesus is going to step. Well, he's going to come back on the clouds first the rapture, then he's going to come back after seven years for the thousand-year reign of Christ and rule and reign on this earth. That's what Calvary believes. 
So the Holy Spirit dwells within us right now until Jesus physically comes to take us home. Over the last 2,000 years, there's been a lot of discipling going forth. I see, unfortunately, right now in the church in America, at least, very little discipling going on. It's more of a show. It's more of an entertainment. You guys, I appreciate your faithfulness because I talk to other pastors and it's 22 minutes. They have their words down. They actually count how many words and they go, we got to get them in and get them out because they can't take it. We'll lose them otherwise. And I may have lost some of you this morning. But you have to learn. We only got so much time to get a Bible study in. And not just a Bible study. This is our job, guys. The world is not discipling people for Christians. Christians are discipling, not the world. So don't be surprised if they're not coming out your door asking you, would you like to be discipled for Jesus' name? 1827. And when he had desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, this is Apollos, Apollos greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah or the Christ. Messiah, Old Testament Hebrew, Christ, New Testament Greek. You see, after Apollo spent some time in Ephesus being discipled by Aquila and Priscilla, the Holy Spirit prompts him to go to Corinth. The church there was established by Paul, so the church in Ephesus wrote a letter explaining who he was and that they recommended him for the teaching of the gospel. And what took place when Apollos got there? Apollos was used by God to encourage and strengthen them in the gospel. Apollos now understood the full meaning of the Old Testament scriptures, and he used them to bless the church. Guys, remember, they didn't have the New Testament. Apollos only had the Old Testament. New Testament wasn't written. So for those of you who aren't reading your Old Testament, please get a reading schedule and read from Genesis to Revelation. Jesus is found throughout the Old Testament. Don't throw it aside. Read the whole word of God. This is what Apollos did. He also used them now to show the religious Jews that Jesus was the Christ, not just in the synagogue, but in the marketplace as well, in his neighborhood, wherever someone might be interested. He proclaimed to his fellow Jews that Jesus was the Christ, and that's your responsibility, and that's my responsibility. Not to get caught up in a movement, but to remember, Jesus, Jesus died for the whole world. You can put your name in there this morning. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior, if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, as the music team comes up, I'm going to say a little prayer. For the rest of us, don't zip up your Bible and check out. For you believers, you start praying in the spiritual world that if there is one person in this room that does not know Jesus as their Savior, that they will pray this prayer and receive Jesus as their Savior. Because this is eternity. This is why we gather as a church, to learn the word, but also to have an invitation for those who might be here who don't know Jesus as their Savior. Father, we thank you for the morning. And Lord, we thank you for these real people, Aquila and Priscilla, tent makers, Yet they were willing to take someone in who was very well educated and very eloquent. He could have spoke circles around them via the word of God. But they loved him. They cared for his soul. And they cared for his teaching of the whole word of God. That Jesus was throughout the Old Testament. Father, help us as believers 
to care for others and to look to the old as well as the new to point them to Jesus, not to argue with them, but to love them. They won't know what to do with true love. But you love them, and we are your hands and your feet. So help us, Father, as we go out these doors, out into our mission field, to realize we only got one shot at this one life, and then it's over. There'll be no evangelizing in heaven. As the saints are praying, maybe you're here this morning, and you're thinking right now, oh boy, what's he gonna do? I'm not gonna do anything. But if you would like to receive Jesus as your savior right where you're sitting, you know if you've done this or not. If you've never asked Jesus to be your savior, I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. It's not so much the prayer, it's about your heart. If you would like to receive Jesus as your savior, if you want to admit I am a sinner in need of a savior, then you can ask Jesus to be this, to be your savior and he will come into your life and you will become a son, a daughter of God. Just pray this simple prayer after me. God, I am a sinner. I'm a prideful sinner. I'm an arrogant sinner. And I need a savior. I desire Jesus to be my master. No one else. For that has not been going well at all. So God, I repent. I turn to you. And I ask Jesus to be my savior. God, I invite your Holy Spirit to come into my life right now. I don't know what that means, but I trust you're going to explain it to me through the word, through other Bible-believing Christians. So God, I thank you now for accepting me just the way I am. And because of the blood of Jesus, I am now your son. I am now your daughter. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Father, we thank you for the free gift of salvation. And Lord, again, just fill us with your Holy Spirit as we go out this place. We don't want to just, any dead fish can float downstream. We don't want to be intimidated by social media. We want to stand up for you, Father. We want to stand up for Jesus. We want to be that light so that our friends, our family, our acquaintances might come to know your son as their savior and spend eternity with us. Father, I thank you for this time. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? God bless you. If you'd like to pray about it, uh, we do need some help, especially males. 
in the special needs ministry. And so if you could volunteer for once a month to go over and help in the special needs ministry, they only meet at 11 o'clock. They meet from the same time we meet here, from 11 to 12.30. Uh, Spend an hour and a half with the special needs children, just love on them, uh, do the things that they do over there. We'd really appreciate that. But we really need guys, some guys to step up over there. God bless you guys. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church, how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.